Caspiana. She really wants to lay in. Nash trying to straighten her up as she's gone two lengths clear now from a tissue charging home. But it's Espiona clearing the golden pendant. Espiona the favourite, too good beat a tissue. But Imperatrice is making her bid as Fura around the turn at the 150. Let a length and a half. Imperatrice is flying now as Fura at the 50. Imperatrice has got her and raced on by Imperatrice by a length up to West Wind Blows, Romantic Warrior, and here's Gold Trip, the Melbourne Cup winner, storming down the outside at the 200. Gold Trip runs on by, two links, three links, West Wind Blows and Sulcum, but it's all Gold Trip. Gold Trip has bolted in the Turnbull. No down, into the straight at the 150, Pride of Jenny a half length, Amelia's Jewel moves up on the outside, takes Pride of Jenny, is coming clear, great pipe opener, bring on the cock place. G'day legends and welcome back to another episode of the Second Again Racing Podcast. I'm Nick. I'm joined by the one and only Jackson, mate. Wow. Ned, we said GF Day last week. Carry really, on. really, it was a bit of gas, it was a bit of carry on. That was semi-final week. This is the Punter's Paradise. Headquarters, Flemington, Golden Eagle Day at Rose Hill. Doesn't get much better than this. It's definitely the grand final race, but in terms of days, it's just, mm. this is it. Mm. The Cox Plate is... It, it was fantastic. We should probably recap it. What I want to know, though, like, I've, <clears throat> you're obviously not heading down there this year. Mm. What's the best thing you can do away from being there? Like, is it sitting at home by yourself, mm. going to the pub, sitting at your missus' place? I don't know which way you swing, but mm. what's the best next thing you can do than being on course? I'll tell you what, I've done all of it. Right, you mentioned I went down last year. I've been down a couple of times. I've also done it sort of bunkered away in a dark room just by yourself. People might come into the room every couple of hours just to check if you're still breathing and <laughs> that sort of shit, right? I've done the pub situation. You go down to the watering hole, which I'm doing on Saturday. Um, look, I think if you're not going to the track, go to your local watering hole, get there early, bunker in, throw a jacket over. Mm-hmm. There's a fair bit of tactics that go into it, like... For example, we've booked a, uh, haven't booked, but we've basically booked the Longueville Hotel this Saturday out at Lane Cove. What a spot. Going with the uncle who's got the swimming with the kids in the morning, right, at 10 a.m. So that'll be done at 10.30. He's going to take the jacket across the road as the gates open, throw it over the prime position, and we'll come back at 11.30, 12. That is... That's sort of the planning that goes into a derby day, mate. That's how serious it does get for punters. It'll be three blokes just locked in and loaded. Wow. I'll say what I reckon the next best thing is, and I've actually done it for a few years. I'm not doing it anymore because me and my mates have decided to obviously grow up a little bit. Mm. Um, a little day called, we used to call it Darbano Day. And for anyone that doesn't know out there, my last name is Aino. We called it Darbano Day. Now, look, we filled the day with obviously a lot of punting. Um, but aside from that, we'd have our own races as well. Mm. The main feature was the naked wheelbarrow. Now, this was an event. Um, (laughs) So you get paired up at the beginning of the day for these events. And essentially, you and a mate, there was a course out the back, about 15 metres around a sharp bend, a bit like the valley. Mm. And so one would hold, you know, the wheelbarrow. 
yelled the ankles and the other bloke's got to sort of crawl forward on their hands <laughs> naked. And now you can imagine the view. The view. <laughs> Straight up the crack, right? You're seeing everything. Jingle bells, you name it. Now you go 15 metres straight to the clothesline. Once you get to the clothesline, it's swivel and the other bloke is now the barrow. Right. So you've got mud all over you. Change gr- the on. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the most, what's the word for it? Tribal things mm. I've ever been a part of. Mm. So there were no egg and spoon races, but there were naked wheelbarrows. So so between 10 o'clock at the pub or the, uh, the naked wheelbarrows, I think... Uh, <laughs> Best case scenario is going to the track. Yeah, make sure you get your tickets for next year. Um, we'll yeah. leave it up to the punters. We'll put it up to a vote. We'll see. What a way to kick it off. Wow. Um, now, I've got a couple of other questions for you. I thought it'd be a nice way to kick off our podcast by doing a few trivial questions mm-hmm. in regards to the derby. Because I think sometimes, I think we underestimate how big of a nuffy that you and I are mm-hmm. in terms of the horse racing sport. Mm-hmm. Like, aside from the punting and the tipping, we just... We know weird shit about the game, so right. I want to ask you some questions. Okay. If you get none out of four, it's fine. Righto. If you get four out of four, it's also fine. See how we go, mate. Question one. How many winners did James McDonald ride at the carnival in 2021? So... This is the entire four days. Not So not on Derby Day. Okay. Uh, Ten. Correct. Well done. Just for an extra trivial question, I'll give you a bonus point. Mm-hmm. How many last year across the carnival? I can't believe you picked 10. Well, I remember them talking about it, but last year I had an absolute stab in the dark. It was definitely lower than 10. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say four. It was eight last okay. year. Right. Ten's your point, though. Right. Question two. A horse named Johnny Get Angry won the derby a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. What price was Johnny? Dennis Pagan. I'll give you two dollars either side. Definitely in teens. Two dollars either side. Okay, I'm gonna mark him at seventeens. Twenties. Twenties. Close. Jesus. Close. I knew that one because I backed him that day. Yeah. Luckily, oh, I had a very big go, young Werther that day. Oh, was... three and second. Yep. Cook. Sorry. Presented big. Tough question. This one. Okay. If you get this, I'll give you three points. Okay. What year was the first Derby run? Derby is about 140 years old, thereabouts, or maybe 150. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go... What's that put us back to? I'll give you I'll give you seven years either side. Seven years, okay. I feel like that's fair. It's certainly 1800s. I know that. It is. Uh, 150, what's that put us back to? Let's go, let's go Stab in the Dark, 1874. Oh, 1855. Wow. That is a seriously good guess, though. Yeah. I think a lot of people would have said early 1900s, so yeah. well yeah. done. Last one, and I think you'll get this one. Okay. I don't want to put the pressure on you, but I do think you will. <laughs> yeah. What was the trifecta of the Coolmore in the year Sunlight won it? Sunlight was 20... Was she 19? 2019, I believe, yes. Zusain. Correct. I'll give you was a Zou, Was Zusain second or third? Second, I was on second, it. Second, and you were on. Sickening. Sunlight 440, Zusain 360, and a Waller horse around third, $8. Oh, okay. Not Lean Mean Machine. Spot on. Well wow. done. Ding, ding, ding. That, <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. That's so cool. That's pretty cool. Well done. Oh, hey, cheers to that. Cheers we're having 
We are having a brew here as well. <laughs> Jackson, what did you call this? Menabrea, mates. Menabrea. In Italian, we say benvenuto, which means welcome. There you go. Yeah. Well, benvenuto to you as well. <laughs> um, mate, that was seriously crook, to be honest. <laughs> like, even 17 bucks, Johnny Get Angry, you've said, like, Jesus. you just knew the areas. Late so the machine. Fuck. <laughs> Never ran again. Um, well done. Mm. Bit of fun. Um, let's review the weekend that's just been. So, obviously, the grand final wait for age race in the Southern Hemisphere. It's worth five million bucks. Very good reason. All of our best horses. It's probably one of the best editions I've seen since the Winx era, I reckon. I reckon Winx's first Cox Plate is the best field I've seen before this, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. This was strong. Yeah, for sure. I remember horses like Ben Battle coming over as well to take her on and that year that Humidor gave her a really big scare. So I agree with you, mate. A very, very competitive field. Now, McDonald, just a super, super ride. Um, obviously, on the winner, Romantic Warrior. I, my heart breaks for people that were on Brightside. I personally, I, I backed <laughs> um, Romantic Warrior and Alligator Blood and I thought Brightside had actually pipped me. Mm. Heartbreaks for you, but did have the most economical run, it must be said. Yep. Um, super run. Good to see him bounce back after getting beaten by Fangirl a couple of weeks ago. I think the best horse won. Yep. Yep. I think um, the market got it spot on, and you saw the confidence late. And yes, we spoke about those world totes uh, pools that were coming into play, which obviously knocked the price in a bit, so you probably took a bit of unders. But J-Mac's just too good, isn't he? Mm. Like, he just knows exactly when to get the nose down. And he even himself thought he got beat. I remember him getting interviewed after saying, oh, I was saying every expletive under the sun as he was you know, going past the post, thought he got done. But just an enormous ride, gave him every possible from the one-out, one-back position, presented at the perfect time. It was almost a carbon copy of Animo the previous year, wasn't mm. it? He's just, he's too good, J-Mac. Just an absolute freak. Plenty of him behind uh, hard luck stories. He got Jewish, he got Fangirl that were out the back that just never got their chance to go and attack the line. But... Unfortunately, that's the case every year with the Cox Plate. It's obviously a tight-turning track with speed on, so always going to be hard luck stories. But well done to the winner, and good to see Mr. Brightside bounce back after his last start, uh, sort of, uh, let's just say, a down run. Yes, yeah. for sure. It almost seems now, in hindsight, like, yeah, no shit, they left him a half a run short, most mm-hmm. likely. They probably gave him a big week of training leading into that. Yep. Went into that a little bit soft, and then was just so hardened and ready for that Cox Plate. Mm-hmm. Um thought Alligator Blood really proved that he is in our best three or four weight for age 2,000 metre horses now. I still think he's a bit suspect at the end of 2,000, run strongly. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't get beaten far, but he had every chance to win that race. Like, he was in front. To me, he was the best travelling horse, and then he just doesn't have that quite, quite that turn of foot right mm-hmm. at the end of it. I think he's a gun miler. Yeah, I think it depends on how the races run with him. You know, obviously TC gave him every possible, as he said, and he looked the winner for a long way up the straight. He just doesn't possess that same turn of foot. Mr. Brightside got him twice previous in the same campaign and obviously got him again just over that last 100 metres. He's just electric. So, And obviously Romantic Warrior as well just has that superior turn of foot. So he's a horse that needs to roll them along and break hearts basically from the five 600 metres out. Was a goal tripper run as well. My God, we, we won't touch on it too much because we've got... The big one coming up for him, he's second favourite, second line of betting for the big one, the Melbourne Cup, trying to go back-to-back. But Mm. talk about mirroring a preparation and maybe one-upping it, I would have thought, with that Turnbull win. Yep. Um, This is just everything set up. He's got very similar weight to last year. It's just everything sort of just moving in the right direction for him to go again. You're not going to get the same price as last year, but... 
He'll be a big chance again on Tuesday. Oh, absolutely. But do we know what Mark Zara's doing? Is he going to ride without a fight? Yes, J-Mac is riding gold trip. There you go. Wow, that is that is enormous. Yeah. I think considering that, when we'll obviously give that a lot of air time over the next week or so, mm. but that's, that's a big tip in itself. And the way Mark Zara's going, you just can't knock his decision at the end of the day. So maybe we need to rethink a little bit. For sure. I think, touch on it quickly, we said this would be just as simple as it was. I loved it. How about Opie Bossom just taking Imperatrice to the front and just mm. said... Look, I think everyone's trying to guess, oh, are we going to be third? Are we going to be fourth? Are we going to be fifth? No, we're just going to lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just take luck out of the equation. And my God, she's good, mate. Oh, he's just such a laid-back character, isn't he? As well, yeah. Same with the trainer as well. He just They interview him after, and he's just downplaying everything. And you can imagine the amount of stick and the attention that they've got over the last four or five weeks after they knocked back the Everest mm. offer. Everybody's looking at them going, what the fuck are they doing? Meanwhile, they just keep winning group ones yeah. and winning them easily without any, basically, competition there to, to, you know, take them on. But I'm excited to see where she goes, potentially, for that. And I think we're speaking about this just off the cuff, going to that last uh, stakes day, that, that sprint race Champion up the straight, which is obviously going to be a big chance for. And we're talking about a lot of these horses that aren't in the picture anymore. You've got Giggy Kick out in the paddock. I wish our wings gone out. Private Eye and Think About It are both racing this weekend. Are they going to back up? Imperatrice might just run there, take on in secret, and probably wins again. Yep. It's hard to see her getting beat again. I think she's probably in our best two sprinters. She's very good. Dollar mm. twenty on the weekend in the end, says a bit. Um, Espiona, quickly cover her. Actually, can we pair these two together? Espiona and Tom Kitten, let's put them together. We had a six-minute segment in the podcast last week where I said it was my best bet, and then you said, oh, well, I'm going to top you. This is my best bet. And they both won anyway, so... And back-to-back. Unbelievable. So it was an absolute fill-up from there, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think as far as form-wise, there's probably not too much to talk on because Tom Kitten doesn't go to the derby, and he did come up favourite after that run, as he should have. It would have been a big chance, but I think Cummings knows the talent this horse has, and he's going to play the long game. So it's good to see that... They're not just going out chasing the, the cash or wanting to get into the start as soon as possible. So good to see that. And with Espiona, she was given every chance by McAvoy, let's be fair, because the horse that runs second, Ruthless Dame, was wide the trip and still stuck on enormously and only went down ahead. So a couple of horses went down swinging on the inside, but we got the cash with Espiona. Best on the card went bang, bang. Pretty good. Nice $10 all up there as well if you're playing that sort of way. They just kept drifting her out in the market. Very tasty. Now, look. Look no further. It is seriously grand final day. Derby day. We're going to cover the races three to nine at Flemington, and we're going to do a couple in Sydney because we thank you very much again, Peter Volandis, for making sure there's good racing absolutely everywhere, and then obviously a treat at the end. But give us the rail. Give us the track. What sort of conditions are we looking at for Derby day? Yeah, look, just clean racing. Clean racing. Good four, obviously, and rail in the true position. You'd expect nothing less from headquarters. Absolutely no excuses from a punter. And like I said at the top of the potty, Ned, punter's paradise, so looking forward to it. Race three is where we're going to kick it off. It's the Furphy Sprint. It's over 1,100 metres. And I remember Osborne Bulls won this race a couple of years ago mm. when I was there live. $3.20. Mm. How crook is that? <laughs> Rose Quartz, top of the market, $3.90. Dancing alone. I'll give you another one. Okay. Wild Planet. <laughs> Wild Planet won this race one year. 
We don't know much. <laughs> Rose Quartz, 390, top of the market. Dancing Alone is there at 420. Red card, $6.50. Hypothetical is $9.50. Queen of the Ball, 10s. Lem Picker, $11. H2O is 15s with Walinga Beast and Ganati. South of Houston is 19s and Starlight Scope, 67s. South of Houston goes forward with H2O. Hypothetical led them up last time. And obviously, Queen of the Ball to roll forward as well. I don't know where that leaves red card, and also Starlight Scope that both have speed as well, so there's four or five that could be vying for the lead here. I think it sets it up really nicely for a horse that might just park just off them and get that last look in Dancing Alone. I do want Blake Shin to be on this horse, unfortunately, but he's just not on this week uh, due to other commitments. But this horse just continues to raise the bar for Bryce Hayes, just going really well, building a beautiful record at six from seven overall. Landed on top of the speed last time out, set outside at Caulfield over 1,400, or 1,100, I should say, and just cruised past them, just went straight past them and was going away from them at the end of that. Just an enormous run. Continues to raise the bar figures and times-wise as well each start, so I think on the trend line, she'll just raise the bar again. Mm -hmm. She only needs to find half a length to a length to be right in the finish here, so I think she deserves a ton of, ton of respect. The saver for me is Lem Picker, who's undefeated this prep. She's just absolutely flying. She nailed hypothetical on the line last time after finishing uh, settling last and just rocketed home for the sixth last, uh, fastest last 200 of that meeting. And that was on a pretty good day on, on Caulfield Cup Day. So a lot of hot horses going around that day and she's got herself in the top six for the last 200. So I'm keen on her to be sitting at the back watching it all unfold and storming home at $14. I'm going to go a little bit rogue. I've tipped against this bloke a couple of weeks in a row. It was $1.40 one day. I was actually at Caulfield when he was ran around $1.40. That's red card. He's had two cracks at 1,200 metres, and just I just have this horse pegged as not a 1,200-metre horse. I think yep. he's a dead set 1,000 or 1,100. Yep. They've ridden him really aggressively in both runs, and I think he's just sort of... The last 100 metres, he's been a little bit suspect. Mm. I think Tim Clark on board, back to 1,100 metres, and now we get at the price. We get $7 now. I just I think that they've overreacted to those two failures over 1,200, and now Cummings brings him back on grand final day to eleven hundred, and we're going to get seven bucks. I just mm. think I'd, I'd I'd be sick if I'd be kicking myself if I didn't get on. So yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a play there. Rose Quartz is the one that I've also followed, but I've just I'm not sure if she's a little bit of a non-winner as well. Rose Quartz, mm. so going to leave her out at favourite three ninety, but red card for me at six fifty. Yeah, well I mentioned Blake Shin earlier. He's hopped off dancing alone to ride Rose Quartz, obviously. So that's a, a pretty big tip in itself. With red card, it's going to be the market, isn't it? Like, yeah. has she bounced back off that last time failure? Yes, she's dropping back twelve hundred to eleven. So you know, absolute advantage there. And if she's still got left something this prep, definitely can hit back hard. Moving to race four, it's over twelve hundred meters. It's the racing and sports rising fast stakes. Triple missile is top of the market, three dollars forty. Spacewalk is there at fives. Chain of Lightning, $8.50. Gaza Blanca is $10. It's our time. Next line, 11s. Ses Magique, $12. Gravina is there at 13s. Next line of betting, we have Najim Suwali is $13 as well with General Bow. Cause for concern, $19. Rocketing by 34s and Crosshaven rounds him out. Najim Sahel is a pretty quick horse. I think can go forward and control this from that nice inside barrier. General Bow to go forward as well, second up. Crosshaven to come across from the wider barrier. And I think Chain of Lightning and Gravina are the other two that are not too far away. I think the market's overreacted to say Majik's last run. It was her first look at 1400. They stepped her up just to see if she'd actually get the trip. 
She sat outside the lee that day, which was perplexing to me. I just, I know that's not her pattern. Mm. She needs to get back, find cover and run on. She loves Flemington. She's dropping back from 14, back to 12. If you can forgive her last start flop and take her on trust for not only her start before that, running up the straight behind Star Patrol, but also going back to last year around this time where she ran uh, second to in secret in the Cornwall last year. So if you take her on that form and look at the time she posted that day, she's rock hard in this race. And I think the market's overreacted big time. She's now at 11, 12 bucks at the mm. moment. So I think she's well and truly overs. And in a wide open affair, it must be said. There's obvious dangers in there. Triple missile can finish off hard. I'm just not sure about getting back to the last from that inside barrier. But J-Mac will obviously just pick his runs through and we'll be storming home late. I'm going to tip Chain of Lightning at $8.50. I actually thought the first up run, albeit it reads as three lengths behind Asfura and Uncommon Janes, that's handy form for me coming into this. And Asfura obviously gapped him that day as well. Mm. So finishing alongside Uncommon James, I think that's pretty good form for a race like this. Second up record's really handy. And then obviously back to Flemington. You'd love if there was just a little bit of sting out of the ground for this girl. But mm. I, I do think she's still she can still get the job done on a dry deck. Yep. I'm thinking second up, it might be a chance on Derby Day. Yeah, she's got class, obviously. She's got class around some of the best mares in the country. On to the next race. It's the Tab Wakeful Stakes. It's the traditional lead-up to the Oaks for the Phillies. Zardozzi is top of the market, $2.45. Connasana is $4.40. Harlow Miss next line, $5.50. Then a big gap to double figure. So Amazonian Lass is $12.00. Oh, Aethel Fowler. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Did you see that in the form book all week and think, oh, I can't wait to hear what Ned's got Number for 10. Aethel- yep, number 10 for Ollie and Smith is $13. Subrising, 21 bucks. Coco Sun, 26 Sentimental Flame and Bond Mistress are also on that line. Diamond's Choice is 34s. Zambezi Khan, $41. Aspinado, 101s. VS, then Easy Turner at 200s. Let me have a crack. Yeah. Aethel Flade. Aethel Flade. Aethel Flade. Nice. Just let it roll, mate. Aethel Flade. I just, I'm a teacher, mate. Everything's phonetic. Glad neither <laughs> is tipping it. Amazonia last <laughs> to go forward. And looks like the, the sole leader here. Ned, obviously, we know the tactics from Waterhouse and Bot, and we know what TC does as well. He'll be counting his times nice and, and easily rolling through. Easy turn to go forward as well. Aspinado, probably Konasana can settle pretty handy as well. I think Harlow missed. They're going to try and use that inside barrier as well. She might be falling asleep and be at the back somewhere from the inside barrier. You imparted a pretty useful piece of knowledge to me a little bit earlier, Ned, just off air, uh, in terms of the camp intent and where they're going with this horse being Harlow missed. A lot of these horses, as you say, this is a traditional lead-up going into the Oaks. Mm -hmm. But this horse turns up and this is its grand final. And looking at the prep, and after you said that to me, I went back and looked through the prep and see how it sort of shapes up to this. Obviously still in its first prep. Won its first three starts, knocked off Konasana, who's rock hard in the market, two back. But then they dropped it back in trip, the 1550 on the Kenzo, and just stuck on and looked like a horse that needed this trip. Mm -hmm. Now gets back up to 2,000 metres. And John Sargent, this time of year, is probably the most underrated trainer turning up. You know, I think back to as early as last year, perfect thought, getting getting the chocolates in a race like this. So... He turns them up at the right time of year, and if you're telling me that this is the target for them, I think it's a bet, especially at the price. Yeah, a lot of these will be going to the Oaks on Thursday. This girl, this is the grand final. They've come out and said that the Wakeful is going to be what they're targeting towards. Won the Oaks trial over 1,800 metres. Then they, as you said, back to 1,500, little trot around. 
A lot of horses are going to be coming in here a little bit soft, probably looking to be hardened for Thursday. Mm. Not this one. I think $5.50. Sheen aboard, as you mentioned, mm. Sergeant. I'm going to be definitely having a play. So I think we'll run well. I think Shinny can get him in, get her in a nice spot as well. Moving on to the next. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know that we can read form. Mm. Nice to know that we can read the numbers out. But these next four races are sort of where... It all happens. It all begins. I love this race just quietly as well. This is this is the one. I can't think of this race without the two horses' names coming into my head. Exceedance, Exceedance. and Bivouac. Yep. I cannot think of this race year on year without those two horses instantly popping into my head. I'm very similar. Exceedance was it, probably half the reason I'm here, we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about that horse for weeks leading in. This and is after. pre pre potty days as well. Yeah, yeah. we were young, mate. Yeah. We were fresh. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's a race that I've held very Still young close. And fresh, mate. Let's give ourselves a bit of credit, mate. Eh? It's getting a bit late. Battle stars showing, but now race six it is the first of the group ones in Melbourne. It's the Coolmore Stud Stakes. It is always a really, really good race. And Jackson's obviously mentioned a few past winners um, throwing home affairs and the likes as well. In secret. Yeah, in secret just recently. So yeah. always a superstar that wins this race, and they usually go on to do either good things on the racetrack or good things in the breeding barn. Yeah. Top of the market, Cylinder, $4.60. Next line is Shinzo, 6 bucks. King's Gambit, $8. Shretton Angel is $9.50. I'm Unstoppable is 10 Stepardi is 11 after that. Caulfield Guineas run. Osmosis is $13. Tis Invincible coming down from Sydney as well is 17s. V8, obviously really unlucky. Well, not unlucky, but on that slow tempo in the Caulfield Guineas mm. is $19. Moravia, $16. Oh, sorry, $17 as well. Nadal, 34s. Butch Cassidy, 41s. Arkansas Kid, 46. She Light, 51s. Oh, jeez. Doesn't it just keep going? Sell mm. you, $51. Don Corleone, 67s. Mexico, 101s. And there's a couple to round them out, Jacko, <laughs> but I am losing oxygen. Where to look here, Ned, in terms of the speed map? I think Sell You, sell, what did you go with? Sell You. <laughs> sell You. Sell You can go forward with Osmosis, and probably Stepati dropping back to the 1200 can probably settle nice and handy as well. Other horses like Snapback and Moravia have shown speed as well, so expect a bit of speed on it, and maybe even V8 with the, uh, the blinkers applied can also boot forward from the wider barrier. A massive feel going up the straight. This is what it's about, and as you say, Ned, this kicks off the four big races for the mm-hmm. weekend, so... This is where you're really stepping in, and I'm stepping into Cylinder. Mm. I just think this race sets up perfectly for him. He sat wide two starts ago on the Golden Rose and just kept grinding away to the line, only went down narrowly to Militarise, who hasn't exactly come out and frank the form, it must be said. But I think this just presents as a very winnable race for him. He's tackled some of the best horses last time out. He's beaten by Private Eye. Uh, obviously, think about it. Um, who was second that day? I wish I win. And in secret, Stormin' over the top. These are the only four horses to beat him over 1,200 last time. So turning up here, you remove all of those horses. He needs to be a rock-hard favourite. If he even matches what he did last time out, which was around four and a half lengths uh, uh, better than benchmark, he just needs to hold that or even run a length inside that to be winning this, as far as I'm concerned. And I look around at some of the dangers. Obviously, Shinzo is a horse with a ton of talent. Turns his third up. I just see the synthetic hoof filler go on and I start to think, okay, I don't know, $6, rock hard in the market, probably going to get back, drawn towards the inside. 
you can poke holes in a few of them, but I think this is the horse that's jogging on the spot. He's fit. He's had that deep campaign up to this point. Even if he falls off by half a length to a length, I still think he's the winner. So I'm all over a cylinder at the 450, 460 mark. I see your points. I see your points. I think I'm going to play this race very similar to how I played the Cox Plate. I think the top two in the market are spot on the top two. I'm leaning towards Shinzo. I'm probably a little bit more firm on him than I'm making it out to be. This smells of home affairs for me. This horse obviously winning the slipper. Had two runs. So the Golden Rose run, nothing went right, really. First up into that, I'm not sure what the plan was. I think all along they were thinking Everest's. And then to finish 2.7 off him was probably a little bit unlucky in that run as well. Didn't get a massive crack at them like some of the others did. Mm. McDonald goes on. They come down to Melbourne. It just shapes up to me as such a waller preparation to come here and win third up. 750 into $6 since they've come. the markets have opened on Wednesday mm. is just signs that something stinks. I think the horse has got unlimited talent. That slipper hoodoo, though, is just crook. Isn't it? But I do think he's a big chance, and I think $6 to find out. Cylinder for the mentions, for the, for the things that you mentioned as well. I think you have to be winning on the race if he wins, especially if he's 460, which is oh. what they've given us at the moment. Yep. You have to be on. Stretton Angel's the interesting one for me. I know it's a big step up, but sh- and, and the Phillies traditionally don't do super well unless you're an in-secret, but this girl's been going super. Um... She obviously was in that race with I'm Unstoppable. I, I think she's sort of been... Obviously, a lot of them have been targeted towards this, but I think she's been go- going better than most people think. And it's one of those trainer-jockey combos that are a little bit underrated, and I think it's why you're getting such a price. Yeah, and she's got the straight track form, which can't be overlooked coming here, which a few horses just don't have. Jogging on the spot, third up, and clear targets. So I can see why you like it at odds. Anything else do we want to cover in that race? I, do, I know there's so many. You but can I just... spend half an hour. We didn't even mention King's Gambit, who, yeah. you know, if he does things right and settles the way he needs to in the run, I do think he was partly flattered by where he was positioned in the run last time. The gap just opened up on the inside and obviously got that travelator run up the up the fence. So maybe it looked a little bit better than it was, but he was going away from them uh, over in Sydney last time out, going through the line. So he has to be respected too. On to race seven, it's our second of the four group ones in Melbourne, and it's over the 2,500 metres. It's the race that began in 1855. It's the race that Johnny Get Angry won at 20s. It's the Victoria Derby. You love to remind me, don't you? You love it. <laughs> Victoria Derby. Mm. Riff Rocket, top of the market, $2.20. Apulia is $4. Vidad is $8.50, backing up from last weekend at the Valley. Gates is 11 Sunsets is 15 after knocking off Riff Rocket couple of weeks ago. Aerosold is $16. Then we got a big gap. Gold Bullion is $34. Cosguy is $41 with Roguery. Then we got Merchant, $51. Bulawayo, $61. Make a call. Sacred Eagle and To Be Frank are hundreds. Then we got a big gap to a couple of... Aerosold didn't leave as well as expected last time, man. It ended up being handed up to... So I think they'll be a bit more positive this time from the middle barrier. Sacred Eagle and Vidad are probably going to be the other two. Sunset's led them up. I don't think they're going to be wanting to roll back from the, the 16 of 16. They're going to try and go forward and control it again. I'm with Vidad here, Ned. I know there's a couple at the top of the market that are rock hard. I just think they're going to be playing a bit of cat and mouse in behind. And this horse is just up there bowling. And I know it was beaten comprehensively last time by Apulia. And I was pretty critical of the ride of Mertens on the day for Vidad. 
He's a horse that you need to get stuck into from the 550, 600 metres and let him bound away because he has no turn of foot. Everything about him screams 2,500 metres, stay up, grinder. Mm -hmm. I think he may be the best stayer in this field. He doesn't have the brilliance of the top two in the market. I'm definitely going to concede that. But he's going to be up there when the whips are cracking and he'll present the leader at some stage. He'll come off their backs and I think he'll get the first two or, two or three in running beat at some stage up the straight. And if those two in behind are still just waiting and, and waiting and waiting like we know they can do in these sorts of races, he might be two or three lengths in front of them and just rolling away. So I'm happy to back up on him here. We get an attractive price now. He was red odds last time against the Puglia. So SPs have completely reversed. I'm happy to have something each way. We get John McNeil now as well. So big upgrade from there. Sorry, Bo. I'm also interested in uh, Moody's Horse Gates, who was getting warmed up nice and late behind Riff Rocket and Sunsets uh, over at Caulfield, or might have been the Valley last time. Wow, 34 into 11. Big, big go. And obviously just doing it, you know, third or fourth start for this horse. Is it third start or fourth? Fifth start, this there will you be. Go. So nice and, nice and easy in the campaign and just been settling out the back and finishing off hard, but not really being asked for the ultimate effort. So I'm not sure we're seeing the top of this horse. Mm-hmm. He's a horse that screams to me, obviously out of Frankel as well, screams to me that 2,500 is his go. So I think they're the two for me at wider odds. I'm going to have something on Sunset. So I think 15 bucks, seven times the price of Riff Rocket just seems wrong to me. I know the race really set up for this this bloke, I suppose, last start when he won and Riff Rocket just couldn't reel him in. Mm. But to me, there should not be a $7, discre- uh, sorry, seven times discrepancy. Johnny Allen loves a derby. I'm going to have a play. I think $15 is over the odds in what looks to me not like a very strong derby. They're not often strong derbies, to be fair, but no. I look at this race, I can't actually find one that I'm convinced by, so I'm going to take the horse that knocked off the favourite and is $15. I think this Riff Rocket, they're just pricing him off that superimposed win, mm. isn't it, where he just checked off heels and just brained them. Yeah. Even then, he only just scraped over benchmark that day, so the times weren't enormous. But they don't need to be. As you say, it's not a hot edition of the yeah. Derby. I don't think any of them have been. <laughs> yeah. Maybe barring a Totsu, obviously. But, yeah. you know, like, you go back four or five years, it just hasn't been that type of race anymore, unfortunately. So I think there's value to be had. Yep, for sure. There always is. Race eight is the Tab Empire Rose Stakes, the final group one in Melbourne. It's over 1,600 metres. We've got three horses here at the top of the market. So Princess Grace is now favourite and will shares favouritism. With a tissue at $6 and alcohol-free. Hoping Your Heart is just a little bit behind them at $6.50. Wish Law Lass, $8.50. Then we got a big gap. Life Lessons is $17. Barbie's Fox, 21s. Wrote to Arataki is 23s with Pride of Jenny and More Secrets. Renaissance Woman is 26 with Hinged and Shuffle Dancer. Foxy Frieda, Osbred Flirt, they're 30s. Uh, Janelia, Jenny... Lala is $61 and deny knowledge. The leader, 67s. Well, will she be the leader? Far out. There's a bit of speed on I know she just went ballistic over 2,000 oh, metres last God. time, but she's dropping back to 16. Will she be the leader this time? Because I look at Wishlaw Lass, Pride of Jenny, who's got a ton of speed, alcohol-free. Yes, she's up to the mile as well, but she's been settling right on top of the speed in some fast races. So Knowing Jamie Carr will probably be back last yeah. the way she's riding at the moment. <laughs> Jenny Lala, your mate, can also go forward... <laughs> Road to Arataki led them up last time out of Caulfield. You've got Hinge, Princess Grace. There is speed across this map, Ned. So I'm expecting an absolutely blistering tempo. I'm not expecting a setup where Deny Knowledge takes off by four or five lengths and busts them open, but there's definitely going to be speed on. 
Where I want to be is out the back just smoking the pipe. I also want to be with a horse that I know can get all the way up to 2,000 metres because I think this sort of setup might emulate that. On with the tissue. I would have loved this horse to have been out, you know, soft five, soft six, soft seven, getting the toe in. Still going to be a good four with a bit of juice in the track, and we know how they love the, ho- the, the hoses to, to be fucking out all week. <laughs> so we know they're probably out right now as we speak, which would be an advantage for this horse. This horse would have gone very close to winning this last year. If you think back to how unlucky it was, weaving through the pack, missed the run at the top of the straight, and probably nails Ice Bath or goes pretty close last year in this event. Turns up arguably in a weaker event than last year. I think they've priced her a little bit on that last start, and it was a failure in the King Charles, but this is a far weaker grade than that. And yes, it's still a Group 1 to Group 1, but she's come against horses like Fangirl and Mr. Brightside. Different kettle of fish. Absolutely the best that we've got. She comes back in grade now to Mare's grade, where we know she's effective. We also know she gets all the way up to 2,000 metres. She's fully franked at that trip. She'll be able to handle this hot pressure up front, and as long as she bounces back, and obviously getting away from the good three firm deck in Sydney is going to be the big advantage for her. If it's not too firm for her, I think she's going to go very close to winning. The saver for me is Hope in Your Heart, who's drawn one, TC aboard, given no hope. It was an absolute slaughter, and I mentioned it a few times in the Epsom, unfortunately. She also went to the King Charles as well and just did not enjoy that good three, the firm deck. Just could not get going when the whips are cracking. Again, a big drop back in grade for her as well. So those two are going to be suited by this hot speed. I'm playing both of them at those decent odds. It's pretty rare you get to say this, but I'm really keen on one at $21, and that's Barbie's Fox. This horse is having the best preparation it's had, and for a horse that's had 42 career starts, it's actually a pretty big statement to make. This horse ran fourth in the Epsom and was super that day. Mm. Um, Obviously had a lightweight in that race, but super fourth, and then... Ran in behind Wishlaw last, gave it a little bit of a fright. Now, this horse was back last off a slow speed, three wide the trip. Had to come around all the runners and made a really big run. Went up the side, Wishlaw lax, and then just little, probably peaked on the run a little bit. Mm. We get Zara now, and I think 1600, you're telling me that there's going to be some serious pace in this race. She might be out the back with Zara aboard, loop them, and I actually think she's a really, really good bet, $21. I'm definitely going to be smashing that $5.50 the place. Um, but yeah, I just thought at the price, I, I couldn't let her run around, especially when Wishlaw Lass is $8.50, and I understand picket fences happened as well. I think she should be more around the similar mark to her. Yeah, and they've finished basically a nostril off each other last time out, with Barbie's Fox having the much tougher run, so it's certainly overs. Final race of the day at Flemington. My God, isn't it a meeting? Um, race nine, the Damien Oliver. Big thanks to Ollie's. Obviously, this will be his last spring carnival. It's over 1,400 metres. We've got a couple of blue Godolphin runners at the top of the market. Just another favourite for J-Mac is Tamerlane. $4.40. Villana is $5. Here to Shock is nines with Kalino. Monomek is $11. Ayrton's there at 12s with Lord Vladivostok. Cause for concern is $18, Corner Pocket 23s with Williamsburg, Savannah Cloud 27s, Bandersnatch 31s, King Magnus is 41s with Zutori and Jack the Lad, Not an Option, Zenzella and Swords Drawn. Well, they, yeah, they round them out. Round them out. Also pretty good speed engage here, Ned, with Corner Pocket, Bandersnatch to also roll forward. Here to Shock and Tamerlane's drawn the inside. I don't think J-Mac could be waiting to press the button. <laughs> Air tend to go forward as well from the widest barrier. So there's a fair bit of speed. Even Savannah Cloud and Villana, these horses can go forward as well. I think he's a pretty attractive betting prospect here, Villana. Mm. I'm not a super, uh, superstitious or sentimental man, but 
obviously a race named in Damien Oliver's honour. He's on near favourite. I think you said Tamerlane was the favourite thereabouts. Just. So the two stable mates are vying for favouritism here. I think just on the fact that it's D. D Oliver, it's the last of the day, it's the race named after him, I think the punters are just going to get after him. I didn't think this was your thing. It's not my thing, Ned, but the reason I'm saying it now is because I actually like the horse and I think he's a a, a potential betting prospect. In a wide-open affair, I will say that, but the reason I'm saying it now is because I feel like they're going to back him and we're not going to get the $5 that we're looking at now on the weekend. I just think they're going to get after him. This is the weakest event that this horse has tackled in a very long time. He was okay first up in that Sydney Stakes where he was finishing not far off uh, horses like Iron Me and the like, who've come out and franked the form. Yes, they're not in the same class as Imperatries, but obviously run the Quinella. Mm-hmm. You know, albeit in a different race, let's be fair. <laughs> but the, the, the form has come out and been franked, and for me, this is a drop back in grade, and it's a very weak event compared to what he's been tackling before. He's, you know, run against Think About It and these sort of horses up in Queensland last prep. So I think it was a pass mark first up. If you take him on trust and, you know, assess him on his class alone and maybe not the way he's going, I think he's a pretty attractive betting prospect at $5. So I'm going to have a spec it uh, around that mark. I'm going to have something on Volana as well. Always been a really big fan of the horse and there is definitely something in Ollie in his own race. Um, and I'm also going to have a little play on here to shock at $9. I think it was just too bad to be true. Um, fourth up, last start. This horse has got form around Antino, who he was awfully unlucky on the weekend, and he's one of the, our inform horses in the country at the moment. Mm. Here to shock gets in here with fifty four and a half kilos, and he's got that form behind Antino and attrition that was in the two rack. I know he wasn't great that day, but he was going too good before that for me to just completely throw him out the window on Grand Final day. And really well backed in the two rack as well. So if the money comes for him again, look out. Now we're flipping over to Sydney just quickly. That's just a mouthwatering meeting. Oh. It's just so exciting to cover. Those four races in particular, from race six to eight or six to nine, just unbelievable. Unbelievable punting. I can't wait, mate. Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. Um, now, Rose Hill, we've obviously got a really good meeting up there. It's now Golden Eagle Day. The Giga Kick Stakes is also a real feature of it as well. Mate, the rail. Rail's in the true position. At the moment, they've posted a good fall. There is a bit of rain about tomorrow and Saturday. So I think best case scenario, we're looking at a soft five, potentially soft six. We'll need to give a very close eye on times in the first two or three races to see how this track's going to deteriorate and how much rain we actually get at Rose Hill on Saturday. Now, I don't want to give too much away. I'm not going to say any horses' names here, but I should warn the punters that Jackson and I... we. We don't rarely do this, but it is rare that we see completely eye-to-eye on things. Mm. These next two races, I think we do. Mm. So it's exciting. The Giga Kick Stakes, it's over 1,300 metres. It's a real test for our sprinters because you sort of... Those 1,400-to-mile horses, they wait for either the... um, They've either run in the Golden Eagle as a four-year-old. They go down to Melbourne for next week for the Champions Mile. Yeah, This is really our sprinters stepping up to a more mile-ish sort of trip. 1,300's a tough run. You want a horse that can definitely run 13, 14. And a tough first run into that bend as well. It's different to out of the shoots for 11, 1,200 at Rose Hill where you can get a bit of time to find that first corner. 1,300, if you're caught wide, you're in big trouble at Rose Hill. Top of the market, think about it. Look, it's justified and he draws another great gate. He just draws so well, this horse. He's always between three and six and he draws three. 
$1.65. Private Eye, the stable mate, is $3.60. Cascadian, first up, $9.50. Bella Nipitina, she's put a few threes in a row here, and I reckon she looks like she might run third again, is $11. Marzu is 18s. Zapateo, $19. Cold Crusher and Surf Dance around them out at the bottom. Cold Crusher and Surf Dancer, uh, two of the widest are going to go forward. Marzu, Bella Nipitina are probably going to settle nice and close, and I think Sam Clipperton is going to try and have the one to two lengths advantage on the stable, mate, as you say. They're, for me, lengths ahead of anything else yep. in this field. I know Bella Nipitina deserves respect. Marzu won last year's form. Maybe you have him in there somewhere, but I just think these two are going to be so far ahead of the rest of the pack that you can literally just take them out and just assess them line for line, just literally a yep. comparison. Private Eye was three wide the trip last time out in the Everest, and obviously think about it, was holding them to the line, but... Between the sort of two to, you know, 50 metres to go, Nash and Private Eye were taking ground off, think about it, despite having that really tough run and trying to sustain that wide run for the entire. Enormous run. It was also wide first up in the premiere where he kept charging and nailed overpass in the shadows. And this is the race that he won last year, over 1,300 metres. So there's absolutely no question marks about the trip. He stormed home in this event last year. I think he's ready to repeat the dose. Exact same setup, coming back off the Everest after running, uh, you know, a place in that. Back up to 1,300 metres, third up, Nash booked. There's just too much to like about this horse for me not to play. Think about it, it's just not a betting prospect at $1.75. He's obviously a super horse. He's going to put himself right in the race. It's going to be very, very hard to run down. I just think we're going to see the absolute best of Private Eye on the weekend, and I love that price we're getting. If there's a horse that's a 1,300 metre horse, it is definitely Private Eye. Mm. Um and you just got to love that you, we get Nash on board in a small field. I just think you'll round them up. Um, what is it about, think about it for us, that we just can never tip him? What do you think? Obviously, um, pro- price here, but price alone. If these two horses were $2.50 each, we'd both be tipping Private Eye, let's be honest. Agree, agree. I think... What is it? Why, why aren't we convinced? It's, I'm it's, a, it's a punter's mindset. I'm convinced as far as his talent goes, absolutely. Yeah. After the last start win, even though he got the absolute run of the race... I'm like I'm convinced to even beat those horses under any circumstances. You are a freak. I just think if you keep potting a horse enough times and you don't get on it when he's three, four, five dollars, and he keeps winning and winning and winning, you can't now jump on it at dollar seventy-five. We can't jump on at three dollars. Yep. He'd need to be ten dollars for me to jump on. But um, I'm nailing private eye there. Like I'm getting stuck in. I'm with you. I think three dollars six. I think the prices are too far apart, yeah. especially for the way this race is going to shape the thirteen hundred meters. There's too many ticks for me in private eyes corner, and we get such a big difference in pricing. So, think about it. We'll have fans. Private eye will have fans, and I've got to say, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Cascadian produces. A lot of people, and I know we sort of spoke before the potty as well. well this is strange. Like, well, why have they brought Cascadian here first mm. up? Most likely going to be going to Perth, I would have thought, to try and clean up over there. Mm. Um, you want to see this horse hitting the line well before you sort of start looking at futures and whatnot. But James Cummings always targets those races over there with one or two of his horses, and they seem to have picked Cascadian again. Yeah, for sure. He obviously went over last campaign as well, where he was only nailed by Amelia's duel after having that wide run out the back. So he's going to have that run. He's going to settle out the back, finish off hard, as we know he can do, and then, like you say, have those targets down the line. All right, mate. <laughs> Open the shoulders up. It's it's amazing how on such a brilliant day, filled packed, filled with racing, this brand new race that's only been around for four or five years, 
won by some absolute superstars. When you look back, I wish I win. I'm thunderstruck. Yep. Uh, oh, hang on. Uh, I, uh, Colette. Yep. And the inaugural winner was... Oh, got me. You got me as well. Sorry. Man. I know that Colette beat Ice Path. I know I'm Thunderstruck beat Count DeRupi. I'll I know, come back to you on that. I know Fangirl got knocked off by I Wish I Win. And the inaugural winner was unsure at this point. But it's amazing that on a day like this, we can get to this race that's not even a Group 1. And it's almost one of the highlights, if not the highlight. Mm. Um, I know in the past few years, it's been a seriously good race. But for those that don't know, this is a race strictly for four-year-olds, which is... The, the, all the reason for this and the reason they've done it and it's pure genius from Volandis is that in Australia in world racing now if you have your agates you stop racing after three years old if you've had any sort of decent career so you have yep. eight runs and you stop running yep. the idea of this race is put on a $10 million race <laughs> I don't know why it has to be $10 million, but we just it's apparently <laughs> that's what we do Cause now because they can because <laughs> they can Try and keep a few of these colts around to get racing their four-year-old season. And I've got to say, it's worked because we get quality absolutely everywhere now. Did you want to know who it was, the first winner? It's going to give me the shits because I should know this All stuff. Right, Chris Waller, white colours, blue band, still going around now. Oh, colding. Colding. Yeah, knocked off uh, Sunlight. <laughs> sunlight Very was crook. $15. Very crook. Um, yeah, it is a bit... Hawaii 5.0 was top of the market for Nash, $4. Amelia's Jewel, since I've been looking at my phone, now shares favoritism with them on $4. Legato is $7.50. Kovalika is 10 with Osipenko. And a horse from Japan, which you're going to tell me the name of because I saw Obamburamai. Bang, $10. Pericles is there at 14 Ruthless Dame is $23. Vienna Princess is 34s. Golden Mile. $41. Redina, the Epsom winner, is 41s. Straight Acer, 51s with Age of Kings. New Endeavor, 81s. And then we've got a couple more down the bottom. Communist, Coin Toss, Knight's Choice, Galeron, and Rosetta. I don't think it's going to be handlebars down, Ned. I just don't see many natural leaders here. Golden Mile led them up a um, couple back, then sort of flopped. You know, you've got Pericles, who's probably not a natural leader. He might be looking for 1,800. He can also go forward from one. You've got Redino, who can settle close. Hawaii 5.0 can be thereabouts. New Endeavour as well. I think with Ruthless Dame as well, they've just had no luck in terms of barriers this prep. Can't be overlooked. I think they're going to come across and try and, you know, find their spot. Gate 5, Amelia's Jewel, perfect. I'd rather her, you know, nowhere else. Nowhere else. I think it's perfect. The tip for this horse, and if you just overlook the one start, she's $2.50, right? If you overlook her last start, she's two fifty in this field. The tip for her is Damien Lane skips Derby Day. All of his you know, top-line top horses he would have been riding that day, feature race card. There's a Japanese horse that turns up to ride here. He doesn't ride it. He always rides the Japanese horses. And she flopped last time, Frosty Sticks, with all that being the case. So he comes here, and she's not even favourite. She's 450, 460. It's wild. The market has overreacted big time to her last stuff flop. She was messy in the yard. The market was laying her, as we talked about um, straight after the race, was, you know, she was $1.80, $1.90 and just kept getting laid out all the way and a consistent layout. It wasn't like two, no, three minutes two before jump. jumped, yeah. It was from the morning of all the way out. So there was always something known from the bookies end. So if you're just able to forgive that one flop, and I know it's hard because a lot of punters would have been on, including myself, and had a big go at her that day, but she's now dropping back to 1,500 metres. 
she's got all of these covered class-wise. You've only got to look back to her last start win at the Valley, the one before that last flop in the Turak, where she just sat behind Pride of Jenny off that blistering tempo, sustained all that pressure, and never got asked for the ultimate effort. Maybe in hindsight, that just took it out of it. Mm. That blistering tempo that was set by Pride of Jenny that day just bolted away from them. Maybe that took it out of her. She was a bit flat. She's ready to bounce back now. She's the absolute class of this field. 440, 420, whatever we can get. Let's boost it out to fives if we can. Whatever we can get, I'm going to be hitting her hard. I mentioned Ruthless Dame was wide in that last time uh, run behind Espiona. She's in the quick backup, so I think she has to be respected. And the Japanese horse, even though Frosty's not on, Obamburamai, I think Obamburamai, yep. Is a horse that's only been beaten at Group 1 level. Mm-hmm. It's got a really good record um, career-wise up to this point. And one on a soft deck, first up, last prep. So a lot of times with Japanese horses, you just wanted to be on a dry deck. But I don't think the rain about will hurt this horse's chances at all. I also think that Josh Parr is the perfect man for the job. The horse is drawn towards the inside. He won't be scared to take the gaps when they're there. He's a very aggressive rider. So definite danger at the double digits. But Amelia's Jewel, whatever I've got at this stage, will be uh, a lot of it will be going on the nostril. I think we spoke about the best thing that could have ever happened as a punter as a supporter of this horse, is her flopping in that two rack at around the $2.50 mark. We now get $4. We literally said this is what's going to happen, like word for word. We said, how about the fact that we're going to get $5 now in a Golden Eagle or an Empire Rose? This day was the target, whether it was going to be Melbourne or Sydney. I think they've decided to go for the $10 million. I can't say why. And they turn up here, and I think they'd look at this field and think, okay, we've definitely made a good choice. Yeah. She gets 55.5 kilos with the weight for age scale. I think $4 in this field. Anywhere, any any price. Mm. You name the price, let's have a play. Yep. I'm on. I'm a big fan of this girl. Not as much of a fan as you are. You've been on her since her first start, I reckon. First or second start of her 12. Yep. You really have been a big fan, and I've sort of come along for the ride. And mm. It's been good fun. I'm hoping on the weekend it's another big result. Look, I can see why Hawaii 5.0 is $4, and a little bit different to you. I think 1500 is really going to suit this guy. And I think yep. Nash on board, he's just a big lugging type horse that just looks like he still needs to mature a little bit. But maybe he's just crying out for a little bit more leg room and a bit more distance. Mm. Cannot knock the stable at the moment either. Legato is the next one. Just for a little bit of context for people that don't know this horse, came out and won an Australian Guineas and knocked off Attrition, who won a two-rack. Yep. Legato is a super, super horse, and, yep. and she'll be going very close. I can see why they've kept it close in the market. Pericles. I know I've named a couple. The ones that I'm going to be backing, Amelia's Jewel is mm. the bet. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have something small on Legato, and I'm going to have a, something another little bit something small on Pericles, who's drawn one. Mm. You mentioned there's not a ton of speed. He's drawn gate one. I think he's going to be in the first four or five. He's going really well, this preparation. We're both a fan of this horse. We have been throughout. $14 here, I think he's going to be probably a top three or four chance. Yes, I think he's he's going to be up there, and he's got the tactical advantage. I just look at the form coming in. I don't think anybody thinks that the Silver Eagle is going to be the A1 form line. Vienna Princess just ran them up so easily last time out and just pretty much brained them. She's at big odds again this time, and Pericles is in the single digits, is he, Ned? Fourteens. Uh, yeah, so he's shorter than Vienna Princess off the back of that comprehensive win. So if I'm backing anything from the Silver Eagle, it's Vienna Princess I'm yep. backing up. She's a mare that's still on the up. Fair enough. Mate, it's good racing absolutely everywhere. Now, oh, I was in Perth over the weekend. I was at Ascot with a few mates of mine. 
We might have had three or four cordials. We might have had three or four hundred cordials. Mm. By that point, I had no idea how, how many I'd had. But mm. let me tell you, the best Western last weekend might have been one of the greatest moments I've ever had on track, and it was a benchmark 43 minimum. Um, Jackson rang me post-race after it saluted with Chrissy Parnham aboard around that $3 mark, and, well... We went ballistic, mm. and he asked for a video of us, and fuck, we sent it through, and I think you'll post it in the next few days, but yep. my hat was at some dribble. Jackson, you found form again, you found us a $3 chance, and you said to me before the podcast, whatever we win on Amelia, we'll be rolling into this. Absolutely. I need to check the times, actually, Ned, before I do rip in. It's actually going to be before Amelia. What time's Amelia? Around 4.30? 4.45. We're going to be in reverse this time. So we're wow. going best Western. Don't know about it. Well, we'll see, we'll see on the weekend. <laughs> we're going to go best Western into Amelia. So we're going to reverse the roles this week. Race two out at Ascot. Good to see we had some boots on ground, as you said, Ned. So glad you and the boys had a good day. Shout out to all the boys that hopped on the best Western on the weekend. We're looking to go back to back, obviously. This is race two at Ascot, number six, Malkar Pindari for Chris Parnham aboard, sticking this time. This horse is having the first look at 1,600 this time, or 1,500, I should say. Absolutely rocketed home last time out and, and couldn't nail the winner on the end. It only went down ahead, but settled way out the back. Parnham was half asleep for some reason, which is not his go normally. He just gets some swing. I don't think he's going to do the same here. He's up in trip now. The horse can settle a bit closer from three. It's progressed all the way up to this, and it screams that it's looking for the longer trip. Rattled home with some very slick sectionals. I know, as you say, it's a restricted 43, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so for the class, it was very slick sectionals. I think she's an enormous chance. This is very, very high level of confidence coming to the Best Western this Saturday, and it's got nothing to do with coming off the back of last week. Yeah, fantastic, mate. Love the confidence about you. I think... We've obviously mentioned a few horses. Probably nice just to go through our three group ones in Melbourne and the Golden Eagle, just yep. what our tips are. So let's yep. start with the Coolmore. My tip is Shinzo. I'm, I'm just going to tip one out there. Yep. If you, Obviously, if you go back and listen, yep. make sure you listen in. We've tipped a couple around as well. Yep. Shinzo for me. Very keen on Cylinder. Uh, the next race, the Victoria Derby. On with Sunsets. I'm going to back for Dad and also Gates. Uh, and the Empire Rose, I'm with Barbie's Fox. A tissue and hope in your heart, two class of the field. And the boys love Private Eye and Amelia's Jewel in Sydney in their two big races up there. Just those 10 horses that we mentioned there, hopefully you'll make a ton of cash. There's heaps and heaps of value around as well. I think most of the fields in Melbourne are sort of that 4 or $5 the field, and mm. you sort of got quality all the way down to the fifth, sixth runner, so sometimes even further. It is beyond exciting, and I just think, like, you don't often get to sit back and reflect, but if you said to me that two or three years ago we'd still be recording, doing the podcast mm. after we gave it a crack, mm. mate, it's, it's special to be actually get the privilege to be able to do this stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely love sitting with you and going through the form, and hopefully the punters and the listeners actually get a bit of a kick out of it as well. We know you love it. Make sure you back a few winners on the weekend and enjoy it if you're having a beer too. Absolutely. Well, Ned, what are you doing, mate, if the wheelbarrows are off, if that's a thing of the past and that's sort of, you know, as you say, everyone's yeah. sort of grown up, what are you doing tomorrow or Saturday? I'm in Shoal Bay. I'm okay. in Shoal Bay for nice. the weekend. Nice. I'm going away with um, a couple of mates, so that should be nice. It'd be, okay. It'd, enjoy. Yeah, not too bad. I'm, I'm currently on university placement, so yeah, okay. no pay, three weeks under the hammer it's full on so it'll okay. be nice to go up there and just forget about that right for on. a bit um, and you're going the watering hole 
Watering Hole, Longville Hotel, Adelaide Cove. If anyone is in the area, come say hi, and uh, we're going to load up on a few. So Turn up at around quarter past four, I think, because we'll be rolling the Best Western into the duel, and it'll be one of the more exciting half hours the Longville pub has ever seen. <laughs> Mate, been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Um, good luck on the pun. I'm sure you'll do well. Love it, Ned. Good luck, guys.